The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome back to Afternoons with Mike right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Excited about today's program. I've got a first-time guest with me. Dara Queen is with Come for Care. That is Home Care of Greater Orlando. Now, that's not Comfort Care. It's Come for Care, C-O-M-F-O-R-C-A-R-E, and they are dealing with health, and we're going to be talking today about a particular, uh, among other things, a particular form of, of real growing health need, and that is those with dementia. So let me just welcome Dara. Thanks for being here today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's uh, great. <laughs> I've not heard of your organization prior to this. But again, uh, we walked through, I say we, my wife and I walked through this very personally with a, a, a beloved family member. And it, it was, it's one of those things, and I think most people would feel this way. They've, they've heard about it, but then when it happens to them, it becomes very close to home, right? It gets very real, real very fast. Yes. Um, when I was growing up, even people referred to it as old timers. Um, and they were in nursing homes, and there were all the smells and, and fear that went along oh, with I that. Oh, I remember that. Now it's Alzheimer's, dementia, um, and there are assisted living communities, memory care communities, and they're a community where um, individuals can grow together. Um, now you also have your in-home care agencies, which is my specialty. I kind of feel like when you go into these different communities, you miss out on the one-on-one time where you can really interact with an individual and get to their person. Um, the caregiver to client ratio is just one-on-one instead of seven to one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to interact with somebody with cognitive memory loss and get to who they are when you're dealing with so many. So that's why I'm here to promote one-on-one care and keeping them in their surroundings what they remember the most. For um, as long as possible. For as long as possible. Yeah, I agree completely. Aging gracefully. You know, my... Um Again, going on back to my family's experience, stayed with uh, in his home, stayed with him uh, up until the very end. He was in rehab because of an injury, came home under hospice, and really stayed home under that hospice care only one day, less than a day. I mean, he passed away in the middle of the night. And you know, that's only part of the story, though, because of what this thing does it robs a, a person of their memory. And we watched him be on that slow train uh, for a couple of, several years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many years uh, before w- when we first started noticing it. You know, when I was a kid, Dara, I remember hearing, I, I, I didn't remember hearing Alzheimer's. That was not a term mm-hmm. at all back then. But but I did hear the phrase hardening of the arteries. Now, that was something in, in my day that seemed to be the early terminology for dementia. Mm -hmm. I think there was a certain thought that um, somehow the brain was being deprived of oxygen or nutrients. Um, Now they liken a lot of dementias to plaque buildup um, and they're getting better and better at diagnosing and then recognizing those precursors in a way to prevent it. Mm -hmm. Um, The numbers are are through the roof, but I I think it's something like one in seven by 2030. Um, So we have a lot of work to do. And we haven't, we've come so far, but we still don't know very much about the disease itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that can only definitively be diagnosed posthumously. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, it's like an autopsy Mm -hmm. to really know for sure. And uh, that's true for Alzheimer's. I know that as devastating as it is, as uh, the impact on the body, it's so crazy that they have to be doing it after the person passes, that they can't really, uh, in every case anyway, definitively determine what that, pro- what that diagnosis is. Right. Um, a normal, healthy brain uh, looks like a big, healthy piece of cauliflower, if you will. You know, if mm-hmm. you slice it in half, you see all those highways that go up to the top part that's really pretty, right? Um, 
an aging brain um, becomes more like a wilted piece of cauliflower. Um, those highways that connect all the sprouts where it grows up from the earth become deteriorated and small, and that limits the communication in the brain. So that that's where your lack of understanding comes from. The brain literally shrinks to one-third its original size, and there are holes. Even with healthy people. Even with healthy people. Um, but an Alzheimer's brain shrinks, and there's holes all throughout it. And um, they can do their brain scans. They can usually tell on um, a CT or an MRI. You see all the colors. And uh, in an Alzheimer's brain, you see it's very dark and very blue. And the last time that your brain looked like that was the day you were born. Hmm. You know, I I watched that as we talked about this before uh, our recording today. I watched the documentary on Glenn Campbell. Mm. Here was a fascinating man. I mean, a man of talent, a really... uh, those of us that are guitar players would know that he was a world-class player mm-hmm. long before he became famous as a singer and a personality. He was a guitar player. And then this happened and they did this documentary on his life. And that was one of the most helpful things for our family, for me to uh, watch someone I love go through this thing is to watch how that Glenn allowed and his family allowed his uh, last days to be documented the way it was and the different stages that he went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty tough when you're, when you're right there, but it's, it's good to have the opportunity to be maybe prepared a bit for it. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, music is the only full brain activity there is. The only now one. explain that. Um, when, uh, when you have an Alzheimer's or a dementia brain, you know, it's very dark and very blue on a, um, PET scan. When you start playing music, that's when the yellows, the greens, the reds start popping back up in the brain and, and the brain is fully connected. Um, if you have an individual that doesn't remember words, places, names, or faces, um, you can put on a song that's generally generationally specific and they will remember every lyric. And they'll talk to you and they'll interact with you. And that usually stays with them for a period of time after you stop playing music. Um, but the brain is fully connected. So it's high functioning. That's the most function you're going to get out of them right there. I encourage all my caregivers we're, um, to play music during rough activities, uh, showering, getting ready to go to the doctor, meal times, bedtime. If you can play music beforehand, and you can usually get them to settle down or liven up and, and take some steps, do their exercises to keep them mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have a more enjoyable experience. It's fascinating, too. They remember every verse to every song that's played. So It's crazy that, you know, we always hear these stories about the brain has so much more capacity than any of us ever realize mm-hmm. it has. And it's like there are all these storage bins. And, you know, when you look at it in the world of computers, we've got uh, a lot of data stored up there in that brain. Music goes in and grabs those, those what would otherwise be forgotten memories Mm -hmm. and brings them front and center again, right? Yeah, nothing can take a person back faster than a song. I know you guys, when you hear a song come on the radio, don't you remember, oh, I, I listened to this when oh, yeah. I first got my brand new car when I was 16 years old or my first date with my spouse or, oh, I, this reminds me of the roller skating rink when I was 13 or my senior prom. And it just takes you back to somewhere happy usually yeah, or something that was memorable and special. Sometimes it takes you back to a difficult time. A that, difficult time. Yeah. And, and usually what I find in those difficult times, it's something, it's a song that helped pull you through. It's a song that mm-hmm. helps re- you remember how hard it was to go through and you turned on that song and it just laid it all out for you. Um, it, there's so much emotion in music and I think it's a, it's a universal language. Now, as all of this is being studied and more and more is being learned about it, what are the leading, let's say, if you, I know you don't, it's still not an understood science yet studying all of this. It's not like every bit is known about it, but I know you guys are learning a lot more of how to do this. What are some of the leading causes, do you think? I am not a physician. Um, I think that most individuals, I'm, I'm a caregiver. I've started as a caregiver. People ask how long, and I'm like, 
paid or unpaid. <laughs> so when you take it all the way back, my grandmother was the first one to introduce me to this, hmm. taking me to local homes to sing and play. And I, I found that these these are my people. This is what I do, and it's its job from the heart. Um, what families recognize is things that get missed: hygiene, nutrition, hydration. We had a phone call from a family um, from here whose mother was found by the police in Georgia. She just went out to go grocery shopping, gone, and and I don't. I it's terrifying, terrifying. And that's in a when, car. In the car. Wow. In the car. Oh my goodness. Um, and it's usually the police that pick them up. Um, the police are getting a lot better training now because you have to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia differently than you do somebody that's um, going through an emotional crisis. It's a lot different, and you don't know what form of dementia you're getting when you approach. Um, so that's when I think families really start to notice as moms, are you just a little unkempt or not getting out of the bed or refusing to let you in because they're just not prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, there's smells, weight loss. There's lots of things. And if you forget certain medications, that can make it worse. Um, and families won't know unless they're present. And then you notice right away that grandma is not the same. I think that a lot of people would know that there are at least two divisions of uh, this memory loss thing. One would be called dementia. And then we also hear this term Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. like you said, might have been called old timers. And I think a lot of (laughs) times people still call it that. I do too. Yeah. So, uh, but you mentioned earlier that there are 200 kinds of divisions of dementia. There's more than 200 forms of dementia. Mm -hmm. Wow. And dementia is just an umbrella word for chronic irreversible brain loss. Um, And under there, neurologists and physicians are able to communicate um, and they can pinpoint what disease it actually is. So first they needed to understand what's going on in the brain. Now we need to figure out what the disease is. So there's Alzheimer's, there's Parkinson's, Lewy body, vascular, frontal temporal. There's so many different forms of dementia, MS, ALS, all chronic, irreversible brain. Wow. Mm -hmm. So now with every one of those, even MS and uh, ALS, which would be Lou Gehrig's syndrome, Mm -hmm. is there memory loss involved in all of those? There can be. I know with ALS, um, some are muscular and some are um, brain related, Mm -hmm. um, but it's still something that goes on in your main engine, which is your brain, right? Um, And then with MS, it starts in your neuro cells, I believe. And um, that's something that they're pinpointing to something Mm -hmm. going on in the brain as chronic and irreversible. You mentioned your grandmother. Would would, uh, that be the beginning of your desire to do this? Yes. She was um, a volunteer. She was she was everybody's everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, she took us everywhere. She was well-to-do and, and about town. Not well-to-do, but she was a busybody is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister and I sang, and we still sing, and we she took us to give back. She was always giving back and being charitable, and sometimes she would just take us and we would sing. And then from there, I got to work with the care providers, and they taught me a lot of tips and tricks. And then, you know, I've had different jobs within my years, but I find that this is where I'm most Mm well-served. I'm not good at many things, but I am very good at caring for seniors in their home. And it it is a calling, isn't it? It is a calling. People don't do this for the pay. Um, It is nice that we get paid to be a good person, but by and large, it, it fuels something in our heart. And the really good caregivers are doing it from the heart, and they will give and give and give of themselves just to know that, I am laying the right footprints to be memorable in my life. And in that moment, I am special to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that I get to make somebody smile every day and they desperately need me. So. The families uh, grow uh, close to the caregivers as well. Yes, we become like family right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with a relationship. We get the opportunity to be somebody's last friend. Um, nothing is more beautiful than that. And we don't take that role lightly. Um, it's very serious to all of the caregivers that work for Comfort Care. Mm-hmm. Um, but the relationship, yeah, right away, I become your sister. I become your aunt. I mm-hmm. become, you know, I become that spouse figure. Um, in a way, you know, I'm a trusted friend and I only have your best interest in heart. Tell me about Comfort Care. 
Comfort Care is a national in-home care agency. Um, this location has been open for seven years, and um, my the owner um, started the business as a retired nurse from medical device sales. And uh, she did the medical device sales for a long time to save up enough money to open the in-home care agency because she saw what a beautiful, beautiful relationship it is and how much more the seniors and your loved ones thrive by having a caregiver in the home. Um, she also recognized that you mentioned that your mother-in-law cared for your father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yes. The burden of care is now an identifiable risk. Um, oftentimes that primary caregiver suffers faster and greater than the individual that they're trying to assist. And, um, Sometimes we as women want to do everything because, you know, the Tammy Wynette in us, but <laughs> <laughs> we have to realize how that also makes our husband feel or our spouse feel. Um, I'm his wife. I'm not his caregiver. Um, and so sometimes that can make them not perform as well. Whereas if you have a clinical relationship that grows and is built on trust and understanding, then they never become uncomfortable as they would necessarily for their spouse. Um, And then the spouse isn't having that moment where they realize they're failing at everything because they're doing everything. When you Mm -hmm. do everything, you do nothing, right? So it's hard. I know there are many stages. we got just a a couple of minutes left in this segment, Dara. There are many stages in Alzheimer's or dementia that the typical patient will go through. And this seems to be true in that decline, it seems to be true, regardless of personality, regardless of family background or whatever, there there are some things that seem to be consistent in all patients. Could you list some of those? Well, Comfort Care has a, we're dementia-wise certified, which is one of two proprietary programs that are recognized by the Alzheimer's Association as great and educational and of benefit. Um, they will, they train our caregivers about the different stages that an individual is going through. So somebody, I think immediately what people notice right away is that grandma's kind of mean. She used to be really so nice anger. and friendly. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she's saying that I'm fat or she's using bad words or she's, um, being kind of crass and lewd. Um, that's, that's usually a beginning stage. It's not one of the later stages. No, it's one of the beginning huh, ones. Did not know that. Then it kind of goes from green, yellow, red. They get hyper busy and hyper focused doing things that don't seemingly make sense. My shoes are dirty, so I'm going to wash them in the sink. And by that, I mean, fill it all the way up to the top and drop my shoes and then walk away and forget about it or leave the car running or forget to turn the oven off. But I'm very busy, very busy getting into things. Then it kind of goes to the cautionary stage, the yellow stage, where they, it's slower movement, but it's like they're getting into everything, and they don't necessarily understand what they're doing or why they're doing it, but they need to do something. And as the brain dies, when they do something incorrect it's be- or something out of character, it's because that brain needs that connection. Hmm. Let's pick up on this in a moment. Uh, this is fascinating and I know helpful to a lot of people. And we want to hear more from Dara Queen. She's with Comfort Care, Home Care of Greater Orlando. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back again with Dara Queen. Dara is with the Comfort Care Home Care of Greater Orlando and a specialist in caring for people who have this malady that we are becoming all too familiar with. It's in the news. It's 
in our, a lot of our families, unfortunately, someone suddenly that we love is different and they start showing signs of memory loss and that leads to dementia. In some cases, it leads to just a complete change of personality mm-hmm. and ultimately it will often be their end. It's what they die from. That's what's so beautiful about our caregivers specifically. Um, They are trained to get to the core of that person. So I understand that individuals just don't recognize their loved one anymore. What we like to do is continue to build on trust, ask questions, try new activities, find out what they like, what they don't like. And when we're very good at matching our caregiver to a client's household, there are these moments where mom and dad snap snap back and they are with you and they are in that moment. Now it doesn't last and it can yeah. it can differentiate on how long they are present for, but that's what the beauty is when I can get to that moment of them saying, "Oh yeah, I grew up in Oklahoma. I used to, you know, milk cows every day and then I'd fold the laundry and and then we go out here and this is where I went to high school." It doesn't last long, but those are the moments that we crave. And when we're very good at our job, that's what we receive. Mm -hmm. And then we can also explain that to the family members, how to have better interactions with your loved one that's suffering with Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, you mentioned earlier how that music, yeah, I think you said that it is a, I think, a total brain. Is that what you... Total full brain, yeah. No, you have all receptors. Mm -hmm. And I understand you wrote a jingle and you're a singer too. I wondered if you could tell us about that. Yes. So I am so passionate about comfort care and the work that we do. Um, I was reading our values, and um, I am a musical person as well. And I understand the best way to remember something is to make it a catchy little tune, right? Mm -hmm. So I just started putting it together, and I sang it for my boss, and now I sing it everywhere I go. So I'm hoping that it will help you folks remember me as well. Um, So here we go. Okay. (laughs) When the housework starts piling up on you, or you're having a hard time finding your shoes, Oh, you never need to worry or feel blue. You can count on Comfort Care, we'll see you through. You can count on Comfort Care to keep your loved ones in their homes, enriching every single moment of your life. You can count on Comfort Care, I'm fixing your home up real nice. Comfort Care is at your side. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Thank Good you. Job. Beautiful voice. See, you'll sing it all day. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thank you. It, it's crazy, isn't it? How, uh, like you said, music has a hook and has it has a, a way of getting into our brains and helping us remember those lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, as a worship leader, I found out years ago that it helps people remember good theology. So you you put good theology in a song and you've got that implanted inside the heart. That becomes really important to someone like what you're dealing with. Yes. We just had somebody on uh, the program that puts out a uh, little player called the Hope Player. And they go around, they've they've added to this little player. It's like a little, well, it's like a, for those of us that are older, we would remember the Walkman. It's a small little device. Looks like an iPod player from the old days but it has speakers in it mm-hmm. and and they give these away to memory patients. Yes. And they're loaded preloaded with hymns of the church. Yes. And so it it does that very thing that you're talking about. Yes. It causes memories and people love that. The yes. songs that they've sung maybe since they were a little boy or a little girl uh is right there for them. And is a real comfort to them. Yes, we actually are, are doing a showing of uh, Live Inside on November 1st at the Enzian Theater. And it's all about how nothing can get you faster than a song. It takes you back and you remember every verse of every song you've ever learned. And... Um, what it does to an individual. They just light up. You can see it in their face. You can. They start to move their fingers. They move their shoulders. They move every inch that they still can. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and, and they're alive. They're living. They're thriving. It's golden. It is truly one of the best things that anyone can do because it's therapy. Mm-hmm. And it, it not only gets the brain moving, and where otherwise it's it's sad, it's sad isn't it? How that, it, that can slow down in those processes which... One can take for granted so easily the ability to remember anything it's gone. I, I um, had a friend 
whose mother was going through severe dementia. And it may well have ended up being Alzheimer's with her as well. But I was having a, dis- a talk with her. We were living in Gainesville. We'd come down to Orlando and was I was standing and talking to her. And she had this little saying that she would always talk she was really good about kind of hiding the fact that she didn't remember mm-hmm. who it was that they she dominate was the conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I would say, Hey, how are you doing? And she would say, I'm good from my neck up. <laughs> That's what she would say. And then I, I, I would talk and then she goes, but I'm very sorry to say that I can't remember your name. Mm-hmm. So I would tell her my name. Right. And then she goes, Oh Yes. And then uh, about a minute later, that thing happened. It clicked. And she goes, you're Mike Gilland. Yes. Oh, I remember. How are you? (laughs) And it was this moment of connection. Yes. One minute later. One minute later. It was gone. Yes. It is sad. Um, But it's also kind of nice, too, right? Well, those moments are nice. (laughs) Those moments are nice, too. Bittersweet, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's funny you mentioned the salutations. They're very lyrical in nature. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. How's your mom doing? She doing okay? They're very up and down. down. You'll find that people, you know, that are kind of in the middle stages of that disease will stick to controlling the conversation and it will be those very surface conversations because they remember saying that conversation a lot. So an individual that just sees somebody once a week at church may not recognize that Tom has a problem, but his wife and his son notice that Tom has a very big problem and Mm -hmm. they don't know what we went through to get to church on time today. Right. But um, Tom is very good at those first interactions. Yeah, you know, and it is something that one who has regular contact, even if they don't live with them. In fact, I think it's probably easier to spot some of these things when you're not with them every day. Wouldn't that be your experience? Um, I don't know. I think it depends on the individual. Sometimes I can spot it right away. Um, You know, you can usually tell by how um, disheveled an individual is, their smells or um, their teeth. Um, the blue lips, they're not getting enough hydration or sometimes it can take a long, I had no idea that Denise was suffering with this. I had, I see her once a week at church and she's fine and, but it's always the same conversation. Mm, yeah, I get it. So I yeah. find a lot of times when I'm discussing in home care with families, um, they're able to look back and see, Oh, that's why this barbecue went so bad. Um, You'll find that scenes or disruptions are caused when people are uncomfortable and they tend to blame other individuals when really it's just sensory overload and nobody knew this individual was suffering in Mm -hmm. that moment. Mm. Yeah, it's really sad. I guess what I'm thinking of is in our trips back up to see our relative that we would go and we could see the loss Mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, six months earlier. Mm -hmm. And and so it's tough. When I go back to the uh, story of Glenn Campbell, and I, I just so applaud his family, uh, the way that his family kind of rallied around him. Mm-hmm. And really, they had that last tour. It ended up getting cut a little short from what they had wanted because he just kind of started going down more quickly. And there comes a point in time where even what he had done time and time again, um, he had done it successfully. Uh, it got to be difficult because he couldn't even do a rehearsal. Right. So, and then they reach a point where uh, they still want to listen, but they can no longer be the lead performer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is really helpful. I think that anyone who has gone through this with anyone at all in their lives, uh, it, it's a heart-touching, heart-rendering uh, pain to watch a family go through. And it's and if you know somebody and, and you're related to somebody that's going through it, wow, that is doubly the problem. But it doesn't have to be. All you have to do is know that you have resources. Call Comfort Care. Mm -hmm. We'd be happy to hold your hand throughout the whole process and um, give you support, give your family member support, and and provide support for the individual that's suffering. Okay, let's talk about that for a moment. What does that look like for a person, let's say, let's say her husband is going through uh, what are maybe early to maybe Mm mid-stages dementia? Mm -hmm. What would be the process? Um, you know, we don't just specialize in Alzheimer's dementia. Basically, they, there is a need for a primary caregiver in the household. 
And usually it's something has changed. Mom can no longer do it. Daughter's just found out. Nephew is is the only family member left. Um, and they get the call from the hospital. Um, there's usually that burden of care. Um, with some spouses, it's the same thing over and over and over. And when you find when you're short-tempered because it's the seventh time you've said the same thing, mm-hmm. you're not effective. And that's not your fault. It's normal. Or um, when you see somebody say, you know this, you remember. They, in point of fact, do not remember. Mm-hmm. And so you have to catch yourself. And that inability to catch yourself and call out for help can lead to really, really bad days, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you have a caregiver and you make the call early enough, then that trust is built early enough to where when the individual progresses and they no longer remember a lot of things, they can still remember that their caregiver is a trusted individual, right? And right. then they can still have those positive interactions with the spouse. So it's helpful to bring it's them helpful. on early on. It is. It is. Even if it's just for something very small, like two hours once a week, um, to introduce that relationship and and foster it and get it to grow and build from there. But the biggest point I want to make is when you realize that you're being short-tempered with someone who is disabled, you need to recognize that that's the moment where you need help. Mm-hmm. That's when you need to call because you are no longer effective and you're only going to make yourself feel bad. And that person is not going to understand why you're being so short with them. My husband broke his leg in seven places last year. He had 10 screws. Suddenly he went from, you know, blue collar family man, man of the household to not being able to walk and not being able to walk for the foreseeable next nine months. Wow. Um, I was a horrible caregiver, and he was the worst client I've ever had. <laughs> oh my, um, you're a professional at it. <laughs> I know, but it's different when it's someone you love. That's true. Um, and that was the first thing. I was trying to do everything, and I was failing at everything. And then I'd come home, and he'd still need help, and I would get short, and it wasn't his fault, and now we're arguing. I made a simple call to my agency and had a caregiver that just came in for PT days, so I could get out of the house and continue to work a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Picked him up, usually brought him a snack, took him to physical therapy, brought him back home, helped him shower once a week. Um, my husband later told me it was the best thing I could have done because he did not want me to see him that vulnerable mm. as if I would hold it against him. And I, here I am, oh, they just get in the shower. you know. <laughs> I was horrible and he was horrible and we were horrible. To one another. And these are people without brain loss. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned that you do more than just mm-hmm. the memory loss. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us some of the other scope of what you do. The youngest client I've ever had was 18 years old, college student, famous last words. Hey, y'all watch this <laughs> and um, broke his femur. And, uh, and um, it was a short relationship, but um, the caregiver and the client had a great time mm-hmm. getting to know one another and he was safe and didn't fall. Um, then I had a 33 year old, um, who was in a horrible traffic accident. That one kind of hit home for me. Um, driving on the four. It's scary to mm-hmm. me now because somehow, um, another beautiful relationship. Driving on I-4 is scary to anybody. I know, I know, <laughs> but you got to do it, right? Everything worth doing is scary. Right. And, and for those in Gainesville and Ocala, 75, same way. I mean, you feel like at times you're taking your life in your hands. I, I Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I have to remind myself sometimes all I have to do is get there and it doesn't matter anything else. Yeah. All I have to do is get there. So I wish people would slow down out there. Right. <laughs> but uh, she was 33 and a um, horrible car accident, mm. uh, total brain injury, and she suffered from seizures. And um, she taught me sign language because she could no longer really speak, but... Her speech therapist would come in and play songs with her, songs that she remembered, and encourage her to sing. And then she'd be able to speak for hours after that. Isn't that it's something? Incre- the brain is a muscle. It has to be exercised. Yeah. Um, so I know I keep going back to music, but it's so powerful, and it's so much of what comfort care does. Now, I've heard this many times, and it's used in educational therapy as well, this whole thing of making new connections. The brain will actually make new uh, connections mm-hmm. in the neurons so that the, these messages, these uh, impulses, maybe it's uh, e- even just uh, responses, mm-hmm. uh, things that you're trying to communicate that can be so difficult. And, and that's something that can happen where there's improvement and actual healing that's right. brought about through therapy. 
And that's um, one of the things that we treat, teach our staff members is a positive pr- approach. Um, there's a certain way to approach somebody that has brain loss or somebody that is disabled. And there's a certain touch that you can use. We call it hand under hand. Um, it's one of the earliest memories you have as a baby holding your mother's fingers. You know, So it's something that we teach our staff. And then once you can get in there positively, you greet somebody on their level. You make sure that you're within six feet of a safe distance and wait for a response to be invited to come in. So much of your physicality plays on an individual that's suffering with a disabled, mm-hmm. uh, with a disability or memory loss. Now, pets, that's another thing. Yes. That maybe next to music? Maybe next to music, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I learned a lot about my approach to Alzheimer's and dementia when I took my dog to obedience school. I know that sounds weird, but I thought I was taking my dog so he could be better. And the trainer quickly told me, no, this is so you can be better. (laughs) And when she was giving me the commands, I'm like, he's not doing it. And she said, that's because you're not presenting. Mm -hmm. If you don't go in with the right frame of mind, with the right presence and with the right ability to communicate and then establish that trust, Mm -hmm. they're never going to go there with you. My dog wasn't doing things with me because he didn't trust me. So we had to work there first. My goodness. And then we were able to grow from that. But yes, pets, what is the last unconditional relationship you've ever had? Mm-hmm. It's with an animal. Mm-hmm. They don't judge you. They ju- You come home, they love you. You're mean to them, they love you. You feed them, they love you. They keep all your secrets. So <laughs> that's why pet therapy is so powerful. Um, you can, you kind of just feel their energy. Mm-hmm. So um, we have clients that have the, the Alzheimer's Association has partnered, I forget the name of the company, where they make the dogs and the cats that will respond. They're fascinating. Right. And they'll roll over and they'll bark and so they just light up when they see those things. And it's, it's sensory. So as the brain dies, you can still touch. It still means activity. And a lot of that comes from touch. Fido can be a big help. Yes. Dara Queen from Comfort Care, Home Care of Greater Orlando. Thank you for being with me Thank today. Thank you. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study, an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Here we are with segment three, and on the line with me for this segment is Andy Berger. She's been on my program before. Andy is very involved. She herself is a trafficking survivor. You know, uh, we just had Andy. We just had a a person talking about some of the uh, ways that people are kind of held bondage in bondage to something that is physical, Alzheimer's disease, and how that that traps them in, if you will, in their own body. And yet what is happening every day to so many people all around, a form of prison that is just absolutely horrible, and that prison is called human trafficking, sex trafficking. So Andy Berger, thank you for what you do, and uh, we've got some exciting news to talk about. But first, welcome back to my program. Well, thank you, Mike. It's always an honor to be here and enjoy talking to you and your listeners about things that are important, like human trafficking. And you're so right with your analogy. Uh, Human trafficking victims are imprisoned in a different way. In a very different way. And in a way that most of them had no idea that it was coming, didn't see it coming. Uh, So often these victims of human trafficking and that is the, it's, it's called so many different things, human trafficking, the sex slave industry. And people hear that and they go, oh man, slavery went away years ago, right? Uh, no, it is happening today. And sadly, there are people who groom young people shockingly at shockingly young ages to become uh, anesthetized to this whole industry. And once they get in it, it is very difficult for people to get out of it. Isn't that right? 
Absolutely. Um, every 40 seconds, a child 18 years and under goes missing or they are taken, which means within about 48 hours, they'll probably be, if not already, uh, involved in a trafficking ring of some kind. And so it's really important for listeners to understand how uh, immediate this is. It's very stealth. The predators are very creative. In fact, just online, Mike, 250,000 to 350,000 times a day predators are looking for product through your child's internet usage. Isn't that something? I mean, they're being searched out for and parents aren't even aware of it. Exactly, which is one of the reasons we we are doing so much for the public awareness faction, you know, from Voices Against Trafficking and with our new project that I know we're going to talk about because we want to continue giving tools, giving resources, giving ideas, giving action points for the everyday person right now who has any child, you know, in their circle of influence, whether an aunt, uncle, grandparent, parent, step-parent, anything like that. We want to help you protect yourself and your kids. It's mostly, I think, mostly unthinkable across America. I mean, people really have a hard time believing us, I think, when we say that there are parents, there are moms, there are dads who are actually subjecting their children through this. But that is not just any type of hyperbole. That is actually happening. It is, and it often goes on for generations. That's what happened to me for 17 years. I was trapped in familial sex trafficking, abuse, exploitation, you know, horrible torture things. So so it does happen. And the thing of it is, is even today with all the awareness and all the groups out there trying to fight this, a lot of times the legal system will not acknowledge uh, that in a family unit that this can happen because the predators are covered by their bloodline. So the victims, the children, uh, those in their charge have very little, if, if any, chance of, of being rescued or being heard for the truth. Yeah, right. Their their voices are silenced. They're, they're trapped within. And not only are they trapped maybe through threats of the people that are their handlers, but they're also being lied to regularly. And that f- brings about a different type of trap. They're kind of trapped in their own hearts, their own minds, yeah. because they're told that they will never amount to anything, that no one will ever believe them or no one would ever want them. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie from the pit of hell. I can't tell you how many times um, I was humiliated publicly by, you know, my birth parents and told that I was too disgusting for anyone to ever want me or to live with and that I was stupid because I had a speech impediment and things like that, just on and on and on. And so even at the age of 18, when I finally broke away and went to college, I had all that bad self-talk, all that negativity, body shaming, everything that you can think of emotionally and mentally. And I think a lot of folks don't realize that even when a victim is rescued, the life sentence they carry with them is all of that compounded mental, emotional, and other trauma that comes with being a victim of human trafficking or any sexual exploitation. And I'm so grateful. Our great God is able, even in those very dire situations like that, He's able to make them a new creation, and that's what he's done with you. I love your story. Uh, You've shared it on my program in the past, but for people that uh, have not heard that, I really encourage you to look up one of our archived podcasts, Andy Berger, spelled B-U-E-R-G-E-R, and Andy is uh, A-N-D-I, and Andy's story is truly amazing. And you've got, speaking of amazing, you've got some new resources that uh, the, the Voices Against Trafficking are bringing out. And uh, let's, let's talk about that for a moment here. The, the magazine that's coming out, it's brand new, and uh, the magazine is going to be both digital and print, right? That's correct. Right now, the interactive digital magazine is available at voicesofcourage.media, voicesofcourage.media. And then in April, we are going to have the print copy available in uh, several national retailers and like Books a Million and other places. And then we'll continue to add national retailers for each issue. But we are very excited. 92 pages, uh, very inc- uh, a lot of incredible contributing writers to this, whether 
it's about child internet safety or if you've been hurt, how to heal and move forward. Uh, what some survivors have done to change not only their communities, but literally the world and, and other kinds of trauma, not just uh, human trafficking, but basically the magazine, uh, it's a high-end full-color publication and we're dedicating it to the everyday heroes, Mike, who selflessly fight to protect human rights for every human and to value children and to, you know, value uh, each life that is being hurt by predators all over. So we do have a special focus on human trafficking, uh, but we're featuring rescuers and champions that come from all walks of life. So I think our readers will be inspired to find out who these people are, why they took up the challenge. You know, everyone's busy, right? Everyone's got stuff to do, but there are those who feel the need to make their communities better, safer, uh, more valuable. And sometimes it actually shakes up the world a little bit. So yes. um, there are a lot of life journeys. We talk about PTSD. There are tips for help. You know, what's happening in the, the dance industry? And we have someone from the fashion industry talking about, you know, modeling and the truth about modeling, the risks and the rewards. And, of course, you know, someone you've spoken to, Travis Conover, who's an actor and filmmaker, and he's got a film that he is putting together to raise awareness for trafficking as well. And a fabulous story. As I recall, he's up in the Atlanta area, right? He is, yes. Yeah, and it, that's just one of those big centers. Of course, you know, people joke about Atlanta all the time, and they say the rapture will have to go through Atlanta. You know, that's the <laughs> that's yeah. the way it happens. Oh There's so much air traffic that goes through there. But sadly, uh, Atlanta is not the only hub. Florida is a major hub for this yeah. very sad disgusting industry that so many people are involved with. And, you know, the stories are diverse. They're all over the place. They involve some of the biggest names of celebrities. I mean, you know, wouldn't it be interesting Absolutely. to find out the flight manifest log of who all was on that Jeffrey Epstein plane? I mean, that is something that should be found out and people need exactly. to know. And you're right, the, the hubs, especially where there are ports or waterways, but, but the larger cities, you know, like Atlanta is one of the largest airports, I think, in the country. And so we have stories about travel in, in our book that we put out a couple of years ago and also a live story from one of our uh, members who was on an airplane and what happened. And so that story is also in the magazine. So there are a lot of everyday things that people can read, but, but you're right, it, it's just horrible uh, the average predator does not look like the people in movies. I mean, it's great that movies are out there and they, they get awareness to some extent, but the average predator looks like your dentist or the librarian or the nice businesswoman, just like Jelaine Maxwell. I mean, she dressed well. She looked nice. She had good clothes, you know, so who, right, what young right. woman wouldn't be yeah. attracted to want to be like her on the outside, right? And so the trappings are just tremendously sophisticated uh, to get our kids and to get young people um, as product. You know, when you think about that, uh, they they look so good, and I, my mind is drawn to the whole image. You mentioned earlier the whole modeling thing, and, and then there's the Hollywood impact. And so a couple of years back, uh, all of this came out with what has now become known as the Me Too movement, where a lot of stories, a lot of expose given to some of the young ladies in Hollywood who had to really do things that was against their conscience, against their upbringing, and yet because of their desire to hit the the big screen they gave yeah. into stuff and a lot of them gave into more than they would have ever ever dreamed they would have so the lies it, it it's really diverse it's intertwined uh it's a really Absolutely. sad thing isn't it it is. It's like, I call it the golden carrot, Mike. They're lured by the thought of the golden carrot. I'm going to make it big or I'll be famous or, you know, this person loves me, even though, you know, they probably have, you know, hundreds of other girls before this one walked in the office. And the sad part is that there were other celebrities helping these wannabes to get to the predators. And that's just as revolting as being the actual predator. But, you know, the Me Too movement, unfortunately, it just didn't go very far, you know, and so it, it was kind of that that spark and what we did in starting in 2019 is kind of start our our own human rights movement so that every human's rights can be protected and because when you violate the body you also violate the soul mm -hmm. 
Now, I, you answered partially. My, my next question was, do you feel that the Me Too movement has been a helpful cause or has it like dwindled down? Because you don't hear about it nearly as much as you did just a couple of years ago. I think that's very accurate. I think it was great. I think it came out strong. I think it didn't sustain that impact, though. And it would be great if it if it revved up again, because we need all of the awareness and all the people coming forward. Uh, but here again, we have like the Olympian, uh, Simone Biles. She reported to the FBI in 2015 what was going on. And it took them a year, year and a half, and they kept going back and forth. Then they tried to turn the tables as if it was her fault. And, and as uh, recently, as last year, uh, end of 2021, still the story got out there. But that's like six, seven years later. Why is that? Yeah. You know, we're not listening. We're not listening, and the the right the actions are not being taken by those that should be protectors, and that that's is a right. common problem. Okay, you've we've got just a minute left. Give us the details on this magazine. How people can get it? The name of the magazine. Absolutely. The name is Voices of Courage, and the website is voicesofcourage.media, M-E-D-I-A, voicesofcourage.media. People can get their uh, digital subscription for all four magazines right now, and then if they want to uh, prepay for a print copy, uh, they'll be among the first to get their copies mailed out in April, as well as uh, the stores that it will be in. So we're trying to reach the nations and reach the people that need God, but also those who need truth and hope. One final question. You yourself, you consider yourself an advocate, which I know you are. Who do you feel right now? uh, What organizations are really serving that advocacy role? Well, I think there are quite a number of good ones. I know a lot of times uh, Polaris uh, Group, uh, uh, they are very consistent in their facts and in their statistics and what they report. They've been at it a long time. You know, Child Help USA, uh, because child abuse often uh, leads to other things. And so they're, they're very good there, too. There are a lot of international organizations that we're starting to connect with as well. Uh, in fact, just connected with a prosecutor and the police uh, department of Uganda in mm. Africa. Mm-hmm. They want to partner, you know, and, and try and help make things better. So um, there are a lot of great organizations, but I do know that Polaris is one of the ones that I trust for information on a regular basis. That's helpful. All right. Voices of Courage magazine. It's uh, there and that website one last time, Andy, and then we got to run. Voicesofcourage.media. Voicesofcourage.media. Andy Berger, it's always great checking in with you. Thanks for being with me yet again. Friends, that's all of our time for today. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.